Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Carly McBride, your host for this week. Today, I'm speaking with Tama Looney, head of client success at Heartland, a global payments company. Tama joins us to discuss customer loyalty in a post-brick-and-mortar world and its post-pandemic evolution. She touches on how data plays a huge role in engagement versus loyalty and what consumer habits and trends are here to stay. Tama, I know you have a lot on your plate these days, so thank you for taking the time to chat with us. Let's dive in. Can you start with introducing yourself and tell me what you do for Global Payments, the Heartland Parent Company? Absolutely. So I come from the restaurant industry. I've been uh, with different brands, including Arby's and Ovation Brands, and worked on a lot of great brands like Crystal's and many more, and joined Global Payments on their Xenial side several years ago. And now I work for the parent company, which is Global Payments. And Heartland is one of our beloved brands that really reaches out to the small business and provides payment and then great value wrapped around that payment. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. Fantastic. Thanks. Uh, So last time we spoke, which was about a year ago, it was all about opening back up and how restaurants were handling the crisis. Um, So where do we stand now? Well, not all restaurants are open back up or if they had a drive through, they have been quite successful. But we've seen the great thing is we haven't seen a ton of restaurants closing down. So Coca-Cola presented at at a recent conference that I was at about the fact that a lot of restaurants weathered the storm by doing some phenomenal things, you know, from pop-up places where you can come and eat safely to enhancing those drive-throughs to making sure that there were no menus and things that could, at the time we thought, you know, pass the virus. I think restaurants have done a really great job and thus been able to really weather the storm So there are still a lot of the things. Cleanliness is still very important to restaurant operators and those of us that are visiting restaurants alike. We see still a lot of the same things we talked about last time. Contactless payment, it's here to stay. We see mobile, it is here to stay. Uh, We see uh, some, some newer things like now the labor crisis. So how are restaurant brands dealing with this, it is a huge problem. So now it's not as much regulation for being shut down. Now, unfortunately, it's just providing opportunities for people to be there. A lot of people aren't coming back to work. A lot of restaurants are really struggling. I went with my children to a icy shop the other day, just this little like pop-up. It's not a pop-up because it's been there. Just a little uh, place that does ices and And so I drive through and I'm super excited because the line isn't long and the lovely young lady there takes my order. My kids and I are sitting in the car. She gives you a little, I don't know, thing, clicker. It tells you when your order's ready. The kids and I are sitting in the car and 45 minutes goes by. 45 minutes. And we're sitting in the car and, you know, we play when we're we're together. It's not a big deal. And then, you know, by that time, though, I I want my icy. So I go yeah, exactly. to walk up to the door or to, the, I, I guess it's just kind of a little window and there's a woman in front of me and my number on, on my little tab is seven and hers is four. And so I'm looking at her and she's being super calm. And I'm like, I mean, I'm 45 minutes in here. Like I, I'm spicy. Um, and she turns around and she just looks at me and she goes, there's only one girl in there and she's crying. 
So I was oh, like, Oh no. I know. And and this is part of what we're dealing with, right? So the people that are there, I mean, I was ready to go tell her what was on my mind. And I had to stop and realize like this is a huge crisis, right? And a lot of times those poor people that are at the restaurant brand, they don't even they don't know, like, honey, quit taking orders, right? And people kept flying through that drive-through. She just taking orders and handing. I, I don't know how they didn't run out of the little clicker things, but um, you know. So it's this is something that you try to go to a restaurant and you know. Oh, I'm sorry, we're only open these days. So it is really a different world out there when it comes to restaurant operators. Yes, we still need contactless payment. And yes, we still need all of these great things. But also we need to have employees to be able to do these. And so because of that, I've heard a lot more around the robotics and the voice automation and the and the drive-throughs. We're talking a lot more about how do we help to handle this crisis that we're going through in terms of employment. It is a big issue. So that's really what I think. Again, we all still care about safety. We all still care about the overall experience, uh, but we also are kind of weighing that with the fact that people aren't necessarily there to take our orders. Right. Shifting a little bit to customer engagement. I know it's hard to talk about customer engagement when you're, you know, just after talking about a labor crisis, but when we think about from bricks to clicks, navigating that new norm of customer engagement. Help me understand how you've seen loyalty evolve since this pandemic. Absolutely. So loyalty is something that I think has been changing for years and years. And if you look again at like when the Great Recession came and we saw Panera kind of come into this loyalty program and then people start gravitating on towards that and points-based systems were, were all of the norm. We saw that go away a little bit and then and come back with the pandemic. But it's more of that in the restaurant space, we look at loyalty very differently than we look at it elsewhere. So if you think about Amazon, I am going to ask you a question, even though I know that that is against the rules, but totally fine. Are you a member of Amazon's loyalty program? Amazon Prime? Yes, I am a member. Absolutely. So <laughs> I, I recently did this at a, at a conference where I asked how many people have used Amazon within the last two months. And I had a interactive presentation. So they were all able, and it was a hundred percent within the last two months, a hundred percent had ordered them or someone in their family. It was technically the question I asked, had ordered from Amazon. And then I asked how many of them were members of Amazon Prime. And it was about 80%, which is normal. So when we look at the math, there are actually 58% of Americans, 58% of Americans, just look at the really high. are in Amazon Prime. And then when you look at Starbucks, for example, which is the, you know, gold standard in terms of loyalty programs, there are, I think, 19.5 million. But I will say the head of their loyalty program was there and he says it's higher. But that being said, that's still one in every 10 versus six in every 10 or a member. So when we look at that, you could look at it one of two ways. One of them is the fact that Amazon Prime is a paid for subscription service. And so I challenged them with saying, oh, I guess all of these loyalty programs, we just need to pay for people. And that's completely a joke. <laughs> that is not what the difference is. The difference is, is what do the customers get out of Amazon Prime? So what do you get, Carly? What do you get to be a member? The streaming service. Yes. I know they have unlimited photo storage. 
Um, you get quicker and free shipping on many orders uh, that you place. I'm not sure if the subscribe and save option is part of Prime or if that's just for any member, but when you save, you know, five or 15 percent on the toilet paper that you're ordering every six weeks or month, that's additional savings as well. So when you look at the cost of the membership, you look at what you save over the long term and it pays for itself. Absolutely. And most of what you talked about, too, with the exception of the subscribe and save, which I do believe is available, but is the convenience factor that you get, right? Two-day delivery. I mean, it changed the way that any of us think about delivery. Now, anything that doesn't have two-day, I think, is insane. Why would I wait that long when I don't wait a week? That is crazy. Whereas used to, that was the norm. So they really did a great job of, of switching not only you know, our thoughts in terms of how quickly we can have things, but what does a loyalty program provide? They already have a lot of our data because they are an online concept. And really, when you look at the fact that so many people are in Amazon Prime versus the gold standard of our own loyalty in the restaurant industry, which is Starbucks, which again, has enough that any of us would be extremely envious. So I'm not demeaning the beautiful program that Starbucks has built. But the big difference is online versus brick and mortar. So I've done research for years and years and years. And the first question is always, are you using our brand or have you used them in the past too much? Just like we asked that with Amazon. And the answer, if no, is typically why not? Because you're not convenient. And so I've seen restaurants really do great things in terms of convenience, right? We've got e-ordering and we have, you know, delivery and we have drive-through and we have curbside. We have broken down a lot of those walls when it comes to convenience to help provide customers with those convenient options, but we haven't done a lot to shift loyalty. And so what I like to talk about when I'm talking about from bricks to clicks is really breaking down those barriers and thinking about loyalty a little bit differently, thinking about it a little bit more uh, how Amazon does it, or even how if you think about why do you join a flight or an airline's loyalty program? So I, I just traveled recently for the for the first time in, in quite some time for work. And I was getting ready to get on the flight and I'm in Maine one. And so I, I'm I'm used to being like, you know, somebody that gets on the flight first. And my first thought was, oh my goodness, I've got to travel more. Like I need to find some trips. And then I thought, what, what am I talking about? Like I've really enjoyed this time at home with my family. And this program, which gives you an experience, right? The ability to come on before everybody else and shove that bag somewhere so that you don't have to check it, right? That is the experience that I think people who have tended to be online versus brick and mortar have been able to give. And so really as restaurants, we're tending to look at those items. How do we give convenience? And it really starts with understanding the data. So at Heartland, we have a lot of great data available to us through, of course, payment processing, because that's at the heart. So we can tell if you're a new customer versus a repeat customer. Um, We can also add a lot of phenomenal demographics on top of it. So knowing not only who you are, but where you're coming from and where others like you are coming from. And then we also are able to contact our customers. So those are the things and provide programs. And maybe they are points-based I think that that is going to evolve to be really more experience-based if you have our app, if you have 
or in our loyalty program, then your experience should be different. Maybe you get something on the menu that's different than anybody else. Maybe members only menu items, right? Maybe it is there's a special drive through line for those that are using their mobile app. And it could be tied around some of the logistics of having mobile or having QR codes to pay or having a different method of pay. But a lot of it, it could be as well, this experience that we're trying to give to customers to really help to enhance that. And that's why they join it. So typically the way that we get in the restaurant industry, get people into our programs is offering incentives and money. And I think that's something that they're used to. It's not going away tomorrow, but one of the things that we're working on at Heartland is card-based loyalty. So card link loyalty. So you don't have to, you know, sign up or do anything. And that in turn means the restaurant doesn't have to give away as much. And when you're talking about now, right now, the restaurant industry, depending on what vertical you're in, if you're QSR, you can't keep up with the demand right now, but we're still tweaking that fine, especially fine dining. I mean, people don't really want a, you know, $60 steak delivered to them. So that is a hard one, especially as we are, you know, very concerned about the Delta variant and, and people showing it down again. So those are the things when you're looking at more loyalty programs, even for those higher ends, how do you change the experience for those customers? And that's really what I think of when I think of from clicks to bricks and and what we're talking about here. So shifting a little bit to these trends that we're seeing helping with the labor crisis, what trends are you seeing right now that are, are helping restaurants to excel? Focusing on those employees. I mean, you have to really create an experience that's worthy of entering your stores. So I've seen a lot around incentivizing customers. I'm sure you've seen signs if you drive around, like they have signing bonuses. In fact, my kid, um, my youngest is seven and we drove by, can't remember if it was Ruby Tuesdays or Chili's or something. And out front, it had a sign that said $500 signing bonus if you work there. And, and Axel was like, mommy, you have to go work there. (laughs) (laughs) It was super cute. But I mean, like that could be, that's a life changing amount for someone that has, you know, been living paycheck to paycheck that can really help them to get a deposit on an apartment. You know, those are things that we see. And that is really, I know that's, that's monetary, but it's also focusing on that, that employee. And then it's, I thought this was a great thing that I heard recently is, it's a hard life out there sometimes for these guys, right? They may be the mask police, right? And they may have to, in order to maintain their own safety or that of their children, help to enforce the rules. And that's hard because some people don't want to hear it. Exactly. So turning this conversation from, uh, it used to be the customer's always right, which is true. The customer's always right, but they're not always nice. And especially now, they are, they're absolutely not always nice. So really showing your employees that you're loved and that you're valued. And I think back to that poor girl about <laughs> at, the, at the drive-thru, you know, where she's just taking orders, helping to make sure that they're educated and empowering themselves to not have to run this drive-thru time, right? Great. I am so glad that you're getting them past the window, you know, in, in 30 seconds. But what are they doing when they're sitting in the parking lot? And so it's education, it's empowerment, it's pouring into them. At Global Payments, we have some tools that have really taken off since the pandemic. 
And so NetSpend is one of them where we give a lot of great value to employees where they're able to, um, you know, have checking accounts and have incentives. And it's all, of course, online. Uh, we have some great things that we've been doing with Heartland's gift card program where they turn that into a, an area of opportunity for their own employees where they can give funds on the gift cards so that they can use them in store. So really, again, just pouring into those those great people that are the frontline workers right now um, and those that are really invested in making that customer experience. Because if you do not only pay, clearly you got to pay them well now, but if you also invest in them and show them that they are cared for, then they will care for the customers in a way that hopefully the customers will appreciate and then return an order. Um, but again, empowering them to be able to say, hey, you know what I mean? I appreciate your business. However, I'm a human being too, and there's only one of me. So I ended up, you know, giving my clicker back <laughs> in that. Um, and just, you know, like you guys keep the money. I get it. I mean, I think it, it was like seven bucks, right? They're ICs. So I'm not some some grand philanthropist donating my money, but, you know, I get it, right? You've got so much on your plate. Just be a good human right now. It's completely a different world that we're in. And until things get, quote unquote, back to normal, uh, I think we just have to have a little bit more empathy out there in the space. Completely agree with that. Uh, you talked a little bit about gift cards for employees, but what other trends are we seeing in regards to gift card purchases and redemptions um, among customers? I know that was a very popular method of supporting restaurants uh, at the beginning of the pandemic and during the shutdown. So what are we seeing with those right now? We are still seeing a huge surge in virtual gift. So when it comes to, hey, my friend is sick or across the country, we're not going to be able to visit with them or X, Y, and Z. I want to be able to go onto the brand site and give a virtual gift. I think COVID has been one of the things that really helped to, just like we, we talked about contactless payment and we talked about mobile, virtual gift has really picked up since the pandemic because people want an opportunity to be able to share and you know give back and delight people and, and virtual has been the space. And then we've also seen, honestly, a huge uptick in plastics when it comes to pre-ordering for the holiday season. So there's pent up demand, especially in the restaurant space. And getting those plastics in earlier um, is what we saw because we do believe that people are going to be giving gift cards even more. And there is pent up demand for those restaurant spaces. So gift card business has been great. Um, Heartland is a, a phenomenal provider of, of gift cards. Um, and then again, virtual gift has definitely improved since COVID. Well, Tama, you've talked about a lot of really insightful things today regarding engagement and loyalty. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like our listeners to know about the work that you and your team are doing? It's not even necessarily no, but I would like for us to be challenging this when it comes to data. Again, Data we know is king now and data is reigning. And, and there are brands out there that have a ton of data on you and global payments is one of them. We are a payment provider and thus we have a lot of phenomenal, very rich information on our customers and our guests. And when you partner that with Heartland, Heartland has not only payments, but also all those great things like point of sale and the ability to add analytics. There's great amounts of data on your customers and your employees alike. And so my challenge to people has been the responsible use of this data. We talk so much about data and what we can do with it. 
And I want to challenge us to think about what we should do with it and what actually is going to help with that experience that we are talking about, but really still protect our customers. And I think Global Payments does a phenomenal job about this. Data, again, is our golden nugget. We have some of the best and richest data in in the world. We are Global Payments. But really looking for partners that not only have that data, have access to that data, but really protect that data. And as a payment provider, clearly we have to, because we have data that has to be legally protected, but also from the leadership within within my unit, um, the leadership within Global Payments. We care about those customers and how that data is being used. And we want to challenge the brands that we work with, with, can we do it? Absolutely. You know, some of it takes development, clearly, some of it takes, but as we get more into machine learning and artificial intelligence, and we have this on the background, one of the things that I work with um, whenever we have a new data scientist that comes in is we talk about humane technology. We talk about, yeah, this is really cool, and we have unlimited potential, but let's talk about wrapping that around responsible data usage and consumption, and how do we talk to brands and encourage that? Because... As I look at the next generation that's coming up, we've we've talked about millennials, but there's a generation coming behind them that's just as thoughtful, just as caring. And when they're going through school right now, they're talking about responsible data. And when they're coming out into the marketplace, they're not seeing that as much. So even the bigger brands that are out there looking at it, I mean, I think about Amazon. When I travel, I drop in on my kids uh, using our Amazon Echo. You know, when I'm ready for dinner, I yell up using their um, smaller Echo devices come down for dinner. I clearly shop on Amazon, right? And all of these things are doing great things for me in terms of sometimes Amazon recommends some really cool stuff that I'm like, absolutely, I would love that. So these are great things that we're used to and we're normalizing it. But then when I talk about Let's pretend that, you know, I'm sharing your data from a B2B perspective, so restaurant brand, so that I know exactly when to sell you at the right time, at the right price. You know, when should I get Heartland in there? And it feels a little disingenuous when it comes to that personal level. So personalization, I think, is is key, right? We talk about it. I want more personalized offers. I want you to know me and use me. But let's also talk about responsible usage of that. And let's go out there and really hold ourselves and those that we partner with accountable on how are we really thinking about the end user, ensuring that the experience is elevated, yet they are still protected and how we use that data. So that's really what we've been talking about internally. And I would challenge you know your listeners to think through and to start questioning, right? We're the leaders in the space. We are excited to be doing some really cool and revolutionary stuff, but we also have a responsibility to ensure that what we're doing really not only helps, but also protects those that we're doing business with. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.